Welcome back to Revive School. Today is Lesson 70, and this is Psalm 88, and uh, my name is Fred Staten. I'm a pastor from uh, Indiana, and we're glad to have you with us here today. Uh, before we begin with Psalm 88, I, you know, we're in Lesson 70 of just one book in the Bible. And just being a year into this, and maybe even 70 lessons into just one book, uh, this, can, this can get kind of old. And so I want you to begin to think about uh, varying up your routine here today, uh, doing something a little bit different than you've normally done uh, on, on other days. So there are different ways that we can interact with Scripture. So I just want to begin to list some of these different ways to interact with Scripture. Uh, what we're doing right now is we're doing a study, so that's one way. But uh, Kevin, what's something else that you could do with Scripture other than study it? Well, I'm not very good at it, but you could sing it. You, that, in fact, that's commanded in Scripture. So that's a very good one. I didn't think you'd get that one that quickly. But uh, singing it would be a very good one. What's something else that you sh can do, should do with Scripture? Meditate on it. Meditate on it. So after you've studied it, you do it all over again, over and over and over again, and you get... Um, more nutrients out of it that way. So meditating is so important, commanded in Scripture. Any others? Well, I think just simply reading. Just reading it. Don't let's not get too big on this. So just just reading it. In fact, there are uh, different ways to read it, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So uh, reading it. What's another thing that we can do with Scripture? Pray it. Okay, pray it. I would think just hearing somebody else read it or. So hearing it, now that's, that's different, and you probably have experienced this if you've been through Revive School, that some days you might, you might read it right off the text, and other days you might listen to it, maybe on an audiobook. And originally, uh, more people would listen to it than they would read it. It was, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, uh, so hearing it is very important. Don't, don't think this is less than uh, reading it. Uh, anybody else have anything that uh, you can think of? Memorize it. Memorize it. That would be very good. You have hidden, I've hidden your word in my heart. So memorize. That comes from Psalm 119. Here's one that's missed an awful lot in Scripture. Did you know that we're commanded to write out the Scriptures? So I just want you to see this. Um, in Deuteronomy 17, 18, maybe command is a, is a strong word in this particular one, um, but I think there's some real power to this. Deuteronomy 17, 18 is a command to the kings. So we're to write it out to the kings. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. Isn't that interesting that it's different than hearing it or meditating on it or memorizing it? When you write something out, you interact with it 
in a completely different manner. Uh, one time I asked uh, our whole congregation to take a book. We chose um, the book of First John because there's a lot of power in the book, also because it's smaller, and just really asked them to write out the whole book. And the act of writing it out, you, it slows down your mind and it changes the, changes the way you interact with it. Uh, maybe this is a season where uh, you could try a, just a different way of doing it. Right before we went on air, uh, we were talking about different uh, songs that we like and different styles of songs that we like. And uh, Kevin, you just mentioned a story about uh, something that changed you. Could you share that? Listening to the radio, uh, listening to a Christian station, but it seemed like they were putting a single CD, mix CD in and playing it over and over again. So I just changed the radio station that I listened to. And it's just, it's refreshing. It's a new perspective. So with that, uh, I used to listen to a radio show called Mike and Mike in the Morning. It's an ESPN show. Uh, there's two mics. That's why it's called Mike and Mike. Uh, one of the mics is kind of a uh, an old NFL player, really big guy, kind of a, a slob. He's known for uh, eating 35 donuts on the air one time. So he's that, that Mike. The other Mike is the opposite of him. Uh, he is a very, very disciplined, um, set guy that uh, does everything just by the book. And so you have these two guys on the air interacting together. Even though their names are the same, they're completely different. And uh, one particular day, they were talking about uh, the very disciplined Mike, that every single day, he would uh, get on a treadmill and run for 30 minutes, the exact same time, every single day. And what they were talking about that day was, even though he's so disciplined and he's doing the exact same thing uh, all the time, that his results are minimized because he's not varying up his routine. And so he's not getting the benefit out of it that he would if he would do a different kind of training on another day. Uh, this is pretty universal in, in fitness and training our bodies. But what about training our spirits? Uh, what about interacting with the Word of God? What if we uh, changed up our routine to do something a little bit different? Uh, there's another way to interact with the Word of God, and that's speed reading. You might like that. You actually might need that. Um, That's what Sylvan does to the lessons. He listens at a, twice the speed. Uh, listen, listen at a different speed. Write or, or, um, or read it at a different speed in order to get volume in. It's very important that we do this at some point in our life. Just as you slow it down and meditating on it, speed it up the other way and you catch a little bit different tone to this. Uh, about three years ago, my son, uh, he played baseball at uh, Ball State, and they were during a practice. At the end of a practice, uh, the second baseman said to him that he had a uh, surgery the next day. Uh, so my son was in the dugout with him and said, Can I pray with you? I just, hey, I'm not very good at this or anything, but I'd just like to pray for your healing. And so right there in the dugout on a state college campus, he prayed for him for his surgery for the next day. The next day, uh, the young man went in for his surgery. And when the doctor came in, um, after the surgery was all over, the doctor said, you know what? We went in to do your surgery, and there was nothing wrong with you. So we 
this had to stop. And so that second baseman called up my son and he said, dude, it worked. <laughs> and my son was just so excited about that. He called me and he was telling me about it. He said, man, I've just, I prayed for people to be healed. And it was just so exciting for someone to be healed. I said to him then, Caleb, are you, have you done anything different in your routines? He's an incredibly disciplined young man. And have you done anything in your quiet time different than you've done in the past? And he said, you know what? I was challenged just a little bit ago to speed read the Gospels. And so he said, what my mentor told me was to read Matthew and Mark one day, Luke, John the next, and then go back and just go through it that fast. And he says, I was right in the middle of doing that when this came. He said, I was reading day in and day out about how God had healed people. And it was just something that really, I, I believe, just changing up his routine was a big, big manner of getting the Word of God in him in a different way. So today we're jumping into Psalm 88. Uh, the reason why I took a little bit of time extra with that is Psalm 88 is going to be a hard, hard one for us to go into today. Psalm 88 is known as, <clears throat> universally, is known as the dark psalm. It is the saddest psalm in all of the scriptures. Uh, there's 150 of them. Guess which one I got? <laughs> I get... I get Psalm 88. So let's do our emoji and see if we can pick out which one this is. You know, you can just strike off anything with a smile. Um, you know, there's certainly no winking going on here or any of these. In fact, you know, maybe the sad one you might be able to get. Um, you know, maybe a lot of tears. In fact, I think if we were correct with Psalm 88, we would have to have like a a, a black cloud, like a nuclear bomb one. Uh, if there was a nuclear bomb emoji, that would be it because there is hardly anything in this psalm that's positive. I just want you to look through this. Uh, psalm 88.1, it starts with as good as it's going to get. Lord, you are the God who saves me. He makes that statement right at the beginning. Day and night, I cry out to you. Have you ever been there? May my cry, may my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. He's, he's asking God to listen to him. Now, we've heard where he could have called out to God to save him. He could have called out to God to speak to him. All he's calling out to God is for is just listen. Just listen to me. Here's the great thing about God. If God's not speaking, God's listening. If God's not, God's a, God's a communicator. So you might have met people that when they're speaking, they're not listening, or when they're, like, when you're speaking, maybe they're thinking about what they're going to say. When God's not speaking, God is listening. And you see that often through this passage. I remember one time somebody came up to my wife and said, you're just so quiet. Um, you hardly ever talk. Uh, this was a person that talked all the time. <laughs> you know, there's no way for her to talk because she could hardly break in with him. You know, the good thing about our God is God not only speaks, God listens. So here, he's, here he describes. Now let's kind of go through this. I am overwhelmed with troubles. 
you could even write down some of these things that this guy is going through. He's overwhelmed. My life draws near to death. He feels like he's dying. In fact, um, if you count the number of references to death, this is going to be the first one. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. So he feels like he's in a pit. That reference to pit um, is like Sheol, and it's, it's the same thing as going into the grave. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead. So there's a second reference to the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave. There's a third one. Whom you remember no more. So not remembered. Who are cut off from your care. Or five. You have put me in the lowest pit. So there's a second pit. Out of the darkest depths. Verse seven. Your wrath lies heavy on me. See that that heaviness? You have overwhelmed me, again, with all your waves. The picture here um, in waves, grief happens a lot in waves. In fact, um, I tell people, like, when the waves come down and they hit you, uh, right after a death, they, those waves are crashing and crashing, sometimes minute by minute. And as the death goes on for longer, it's not those waves when they hit again, they can be just as strong as the very first time. They just get a little bit farther and farther apart. This guy is overwhelmed with the waves that happen. You have taken from me my closest friends. So he's, uh, put that up here, lonely. You have made me repulsive to them. I cannot escape. Verse 9. My eyes are dim with grief. You feel that? You just feel the darkness again uh, overwhelming this guy? Now here's where he goes. I, I call out to you, Lord, every day. This is the second reference in this psalm. Of you know, he, he says, I call out to you, God, and then he tells everything that's happened. You know, I'm overwhelmed. It's death and the pit and the darkness. Then he gets back to this. I call out to you, Lord, every day. Can you imagine that? Uh, sometimes in this dark night of the soul, it's easy to, to not talk. And yet this guy's crying out to God. Uh, sadly, we're only about halfway through. <laughs> I wish that we were at the end right now, don't you? But let's go, verse 10. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Here again are two more instances of, of death. But one shift has happened here. The shift is now not just like he's overwhelmed with his experience. He's now turned it towards God. Like not only is it just happening to him, God's caused this to happen. So he's like, do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? <laughs> Verse 12. 
Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Uh, it's again the same reference to a grave. Your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion. But I cry to you, Lord, for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Uh, this is the third reference to him. Like everything's happening to this guy. He cries out, do you notice, every day. And also, this prayer is coming in the morning. In, in my last uh, lesson, we talked about just the importance of that voice in the morning, that prayer in the morning, and trusting that voice in the morning. Uh, so, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me? So now we have the why that comes. Why, Lord? Not understanding. And you hide your face from me. From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. Now, here's another side to this. Not only is this person going through despair and difficulty, what he's declaring right here is, this has been my lot in life. Since I've been young, I have suffered and been close to death. And again, it's the, the nether experience of death in this passage. I have borne your terrors and in despair. And then again, this despair. Boy, there's a lot of, on, in this, isn't there? Verse 16, your wrath has swept over me, your terrors have destroyed me. And they, he describes them as coming from God. All day long they surround me with a flood, like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. The end. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Uh, I mean, just begin to look at this. Doesn't this sound so different than all other psalms? Now, I'm not saying that there's not some really negative psalms. There's a lot of psalms that are going through difficulty. But almost every psalm has a but you, God. A but you, God moment. A moment when uh, it seems like they turn and they start to praise God in the middle of that. This psalm doesn't have it. It just says, I cry out, I cry out, I cry out. And all of this, I feel like I'm in the pit, I'm in death, I have, I'm without strength, I'm remembered no more. And you need to understand that this is a very, very real experience for many Christians. In fact, I would say that every Christian goes through this at some point in their life, to a varying degree. It might last a few minutes or hours or days. Some it lasts for an awfully long time. In fact, here are a list of some people throughout history that have suffered, and it's so clear that they have suffered um, from a lot of the symptoms of this despair and depression. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was one. Beethoven. In the Christian world, Martin Luther um, Spurgeon, you look back in the Bible and you see even in the Psalms, 
at least three dozen references from just the Psalms of David to this despair and depression. You have in um, theological history, you have John Calvin and John Wesley. You have C.S. Lewis. You have more modern people like Mother Teresa and Barbara Bush, Sheila Walsh. Uh, Maybe you're going through this time and this majorly identifies with you. Maybe you feel like you don't have any faith because you've expressed these things and you don't see the out of it. Sometimes um, I've noticed that we have patterns of prayer. Have you heard the ACTS pattern of prayer? Kevin, do you know what those stand for? Uh, Not right off the... Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication is one. So people come up with these patterns where you want to praise God, confess, and and all of that. There's another one that uh, is P-R-A-Y. It's praise, repent. The A stands for act on your ask. The Y stands for yield. Some of those are nice. Maybe you have prayer lists, things that you go through. But the incredible thing is you'll never see this as a prayer pattern. (laughs) (laughs) you'll never just say you'll never see this as something that uh, needs to be the model for your prayer but there's something powerful about it even when he didn't feel it um, even when he was in the depth of despair this psalmist cried out to God not only cried out he cried out every single day And he cried out in the morning. It was a priority. It was a routine. He just kept going before God. I was watching on ESPN this video. They're doing a kind of a a study of Duke basketball and Mike Krzyzewski. And so there's a documentary on it. One of the little tiny segments was part of the DNA of Duke basketball where they ask every single person that every single player to talk nonstop during games and practice. Uh, so when they're stretching, you could see the clips of them. They have to talk all through their uh, all through their stretching. They're encouraging one another. They're saying as they're out on the court, they're saying what they're going to do. They say what the next next person needs to do. But if anybody is caught on the court not talking, they get in trouble. You'd think it'd be the opposite. A lot of coaches say, you know, be quiet, listen to me. And, um, but in Duke basketball, it's the, the absolute opposite. They want everybody talking all the time. And it seems so odd. So they did this whole segment on why they talk and why the importance of talking. This one young basketball player said that when he came, it was so unnatural for him to talk. He would go through practice and he just didn't want to talk. He thought it was kind of odd and everything. But then he realized just as he started to do it that he began to get out of his own mind. So when he was quiet, all of his problems, every hurt, when he was tired, he would just think about it. But when he was talking, those went away. He became more of a part of the team. And that was the reason. Now, I'm not a proponent of Duke basketball in any way. I am a proponent of talking and especially of talking to God. It is so crucial. The one thing in this psalm is this psalmist was committed 
to praying. He was committed to keep talking. And I just want to say today, if you are without hope, if you are in the depths of despair, you got to talk. You got to talk to someone. You got to talk to God. There are people that care. And if you just stay inward with this, it's just going to get worse. If you feel like this person probably was a sinner, um, this probably is a psalm of what not to do. This is a terrible. I just want us to go to Psalm 22 and see some parallels here with Psalm 22. So uh, as we go to Psalm 22, it says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of, angry, of anguish? My God, by, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. This is describing everything that Jesus went through from his thirst uh, to his bones being out of joint on the cross. And it is, it is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the encouragements of this is that no matter what we go through in life, Jesus has experienced it. He's experienced every weakness, every bit of hopelessness, especially the suffering that is on the cross and when we go through these times, there's a fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. There's a, there's a closeness that we have to God, having gone through it, that we could never experience before. I want to encourage you with this here today. If you're going through this, cry out to God. It will not be the end. Um, keep crying out to him. Get somebody around you that can pray for you. And I want you to know that Jesus has experienced every single thing that you have been through. Psalm 88 is so useful to us. It's such a good example for what we have here today. Could I pray for you, you by name here today? Lord Jesus, you know this particular person. 
You know exactly what they're going through. And God, I cry out to you on their behalf. I pray that you be the lifter of their head. God, I pray today that in the midst of this um, this hopelessness and depression, that that you, God, would come to their aid and save them. For the rest of us, God, this might appear to be something that we don't need. God, I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Maybe even be in a conversation with somebody that's going through this. God, I pray that you would give us um, the love and the, and the words to share. Maybe even share Psalm 88 with them here today. So thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.